The Da Vinci Hour is a new podcast interview series with a variety of individuals across the field of medicine, and it's meant to provide you an inside look into their experiences and some thoughtful advice on how to navigate your journey towards your dream career. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second episode of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. I'm Dr. Maxwell Cooper, your host again, and I'm joined this time by Dr. Nikita Ashurkin, who is an internal medicine resident at Mayo Clinic in Arizona. And we met at the University of Toledo College of Medicine, where we were medical students doing the medical student grind. And now we're doing the intern year grind. So in this episode, we're going to kind of talk, give you some tips and tricks on how to adjust from that, that make that big jump from medical school to intern year. And we just want to say congrats to everyone who matched out there. And hopefully it was what you wanted. Uh, if not, I guess you're stuck, but um, that's all right. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, you'll, you'll, be a, you'll be a licensed physician. So we'll help you make that, that jump. So Nikita, how are you doing, man? What rotation are you on? How are you doing? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. I was just thinking it's been like, it's crazy. It's been uh, what, five years now since, since that first year anatomy class downstairs at at no, Toledo. It's, it's crazy, <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good. I'm on <clears throat> ICU month right now. So uh, in my program, we do uh, one month of ICU first year. So, uh, um, and we'll, we can talk a little bit about different programs uh, later on about the XY schedule and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so almost done with that month of ICU going on to outpatient next month. Very nice. Yeah, so I actually just finished as we were talking before we started recording. I was I just finished my month of MICU, so I feel for you, man. It was uh, it was a, it was a tough rotation, but it, it's a lot of good medicine, a lot of good physiology, um, and uh, it makes you really kind of critically think about what's like physiologically going on. I felt like I don't know if you've had that experience as well. Yeah, it's it, I, I feel like the ICU attendings have to know basically physiology to the point of almost all the subspecialties, you know, cardiology, you have to basically, I mean, they manage most of it on uh, all of it really on their own nephrology. They do dialysis uh, on their own. They can you know, do their own orders for dialysis. Uh, so it's really um, the, like the peak of physiology. I feel like that you do have to know <laughs> for, especially like all the subsystem, you know, for subspecialties, you do understand uh, your organ system probably the most, but they really have to be, on edge kind of all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I felt like, you know, you would consult people in the ICU and the MICU and you consult cardiology or nephro or, um, you know, whoever, and they were more, I felt like there were more suggestions than necessarily like strict recommendations. Like I felt like on the floor, like usually, you know, you follow what cardiology says or you follow what, you know, um, nephrology says, and I think they still follow it or, or take it into consideration, but I felt like the, as you said, the ICU doctors, they, they also consider like the whole picture as well. And like, does this, you know, one recommendation necessarily fit with what we're trying to do overall with the patient? I don't know. That was just my experience. I felt like. Yeah. And I guess at that point too, you know, if you're consulting like a subspecialty service on the floor, patients probably aren't, are not that sick, you know, right. but if they're in ICU, I mean, there's just, you have to do something. You know? So yeah, uh, maybe that plays a role as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's awesome. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm glad I didn't start with ICU. I can tell you that it was, I had done four months of wards before ICU and I still felt like it was a pretty big adjustment. Like, even though I'm like in the second half of my intern year, I don't know, that first week was tough, man. Like it was still like, like all the drips, like the, 
and those of you, you know, who are still students and aren't familiar, like trips, just kind of, you know, continuous IV infusions running like sedation, uh, pressors to maintain patient's blood pressure, um, paralytic medications, um, just, you know, sometimes you're running insulin drips, you know, for people with high sugars and things like that. And so it's all, then these are all types of things. Uh, those of you who are students that aren't typically done on the regular medicine floors. Um, and, and so I, I just, I guess, you know, you don't see any of that stuff on the medicine floors and like, and then obviously the ventilators and all those types of things. So I don't know, it was kind of a steep learning curve at first for me. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I even, you know, I did a month of ICU in at Toledo and as a fourth year, I think they were just transitioning between like Prometica and University of Toledo, but so there were no residents on the service. So it was oh, just wow. a fellow. Uh, but I don't know, uh, even doing one month in med school, I mean, I guess it depends on probably where you are and how much autonomy you get as a med student. But uh, even after that experience, I was still like, I didn't, it was hard to learn all the drips, sedation, especially, you know, like how much, which sedation do you use? How much can you give? Uh, and the vents, you know, I learned about vents so many times now. I learned about vents yesterday again. And it's always <laughs> like, there's always something new to learn about them. And uh, you really, I think at that point, you really just have to think about how you change the settings on each patient, even if you're not doing it to really make it stick. But um, yeah, all that stuff after even two weeks, you still have to constantly relearn all the time. So definitely a challenging rotation. Glad I didn't start on it. Um, but I, I think it makes it less scary going back to like the floor because, you know, um, I mean, I guess you kind of know when it's time for patients to go to the ICU or again, you know, you don't have to do any of those you know, pressors and sedations on the floor, which um, is a little a less nerve wracking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the biggest thing I tried to get out of it was like when, like you said, like when a patient is really actually sick and needs, you know, higher level care and when, when it's, you know, okay to kind of press forward on the floor. Right. Um, and then from a radiology uh, perspective, you know, also like when they're, you know, from a procedure standpoint, are they too sick to come down to the IR suite and do a procedure? Is it still okay? Um, you know, and then obviously from an imaging perspective, there's a lot of them as you, as I'm sure you uh, ordered plenty of imaging on your patients. It's also interesting as well to gain experience doing that. Cleared a lot of yeah. lines. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think, I don't know. I remember at Toledo, a lot of, there were a lot of central lines. I don't remember too many pick lines being played, but for example, at our place, there's a lot of pick lines, pick team comes and does them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely fun as a resident to uh, get to do like a central line and uh, a femoral line. So those are, those are a good experience to get an ICU. Hopefully you don't, have to, don't think we ever have to do that on the floor, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. That's things are going kind of dicey if that's what's going on. Yeah, um, yeah. um so I guess in, in the heart of like making that transition, um, I guess maybe I'll just start out by asking you some questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't steer from the questions cause then I'll be unprepared. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. And you know, we'll, we'll kind of stick with these and then we can kind of expand on them as well. Um, so I guess the first question I have, you know, a lot of students, they just matched, you know, they're trying, they're in that fourth year, you know, kind of bliss area between like kind of finishing up their last rotation. They're getting ready for July. You know, maybe some of them are just hanging out and having a good time and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but I guess, did you, everyone, I feel like a lot of people ask, like, how did you spend your time between the match and starting intern year? Like, did you study a lot? Did you just kind of hang out? Did you just kind of get ready to like, you know, start? I mean, I don't know. What was your process? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, 
you know, it depends on, you know, what stage in life you're at or what you're doing in that time. Cause a lot of people maybe are doing research and they're trying to finish a project. So definitely probably a good time to do that just to finish things up. And so you can be free intern year. But I personally, <clears throat> uh, I was like, uh, I was thinking I was going to study and then, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll read all of uh, step three, like material and just review it real quick. And that, that didn't end up happening. So we, Again, this year was strange, and the year, our year was strange as well, especially at the end because all the trips were canceled. People were going to go on vacations, um, but uh, my fiance and I got very lucky because, um, well, we went to Costa Rica right before kind of everything started happening in the states. Oh, that's right. So, I remember you guys snuck that that snuck that in right. right yeah, before and all happened. while we were in Costa Rica, like that one, I think I can't remember if that was the first case in like Washington or something like that we heard about, but. So we were able to squeeze our trip in and uh, that didn't get canceled. So went there for a month. And I think if that's an option to do a trip um, or just relax, take time off before intern year, I, I honestly think that's the best route. By the time between college and med school, we did a very long road trip, like a 40 day road trip driving from oh, wow. Ohio to West Coast and just camped at all the national parks. And I think, you know, for us who... For people who go from school to school, you know, residency is basically school. Uh, we have these little time frames between transitioning from college to med school, from med school to residency. And those are really the only times we get to take those long vacations. I think it's just best to take opportunity, uh, take, you know, take that opportunity to do, to do those things that you normally wouldn't get to do. Um, and um, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, I think Last year was a weird year. I think it's a little bit better this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you can take safely take a trip, I think that's great. I mean, I think what you know, you hear this and you just don't have the time like to do stuff like that. Like, you know, when you're on a lot of these rotations, you have one day off a week, if that sometimes. And then I don't know what your vacation schedule was like, but at least this year and for my transitional year internship was we had three weeks of vacation, like kind of just randomly spread out throughout the year. And we had five days at the holidays and that's it that's mm -hmm. all that's all the time we had off um this year so for me it was you know i'm taking a trip next week when i'm off but otherwise it's been it's been a lot of just kind of staying you know doing the grind <laughs> yeah and and yeah so our schedule is similar we have three weeks of vacation you can <clears throat> they're not pre-assigned but again uh you can take them during certain outpatient months because we mm -hmm. do the x plus y schedule uh but you also have, you know, you, you have responsibilities during this year too. Step three, you're, I don't know, depends on what you're trying to do. You probably want to take some time to study for that. So let's say that's a week of your vacation right there. <clears throat> then you get, you know, holidays off. So you'll get to travel then. Uh, and then, uh, so that cuts down to two weeks of time where you get to take time off and you can't take that consecutively or, you know, right. uh, so it's going to limit uh, your options. And if you're, you know, a partner in residency, like my fiance doing OBGYN, uh, her vacation doesn't always line up with mine. So oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you might take a week off, but you'll probably just hang out at home or some, something along those lines. Um, and, uh, what was I going to say? Um, I'm blanking on it, but, uh, again, like, I Oh, this is what I was going to say. So it depends on where you matched, you know, honestly, we, as soon as we find out where we matched, we flew here, found a place to live, and just moved. And we had yeah. those three months to kind of paint the house, do some, you know, buy furniture, furnish our apartment. Also, like, get used to the city. I think uh, that 
you know, it depends on where you're going. Like if you're going to a cold place, I mean, I guess we match in the summer, so it should be warm for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if it's a place you want to live, it can sort of be like a vacation uh, right before you start. Uh, but I think getting used to driving around town, finding the places you like to eat, mm-hmm. uh, that could also be another way to kind of spend that time. Yeah, definitely. I think getting acclimated. I mean, you and I, you know, we both grew up in Ohio, went to school in Ohio, and then we kind of both, even though we're in different spots, we went to these very different kind of regions, you know, you in the Southwest, mm-hmm. me in the Southeast here in Atlanta, Georgia at Emory, and just kind of getting used to like, I mean, back where I'm from, I could still draw you a map of all the roads and stuff. Like I know exactly where to go and everything because I just spent so much time there. But now like still got to use a GPS, even at this point, embarrassingly enough, you know, not the hospital. I can, I can do that in my sleep, but, <laughs> but other places, you know, I still got to use the GPS and all that. And I think just getting, like you said, getting acclimated, figuring out where the good food spots are, you know, and just, you know, kind of doing the activities you like to do is a good way yeah. to spend it. I don't know. I feel like some people may try to study. I remember I thought I was going to, and I just didn't study that much, honestly. Like I just didn't have it in me. Like I just, I don't know. There's too much grind leading up to the match. And then I don't know. I just like did stuff that I wanted to do. Like, you know, even though we were kind of confined in quarantine, like, I don't know. I just kind of relaxed and took my time. And then I think at this point, you know, just studying the material is kind of hard to just, because you're not, you don't have, if you're just starting, if you you haven't started residency yet, you're trying to relearn all this stuff, you know, in residency, you see a case and you kind of, you remember things based on that. You know, you had a hyponatremia patient, you'll, you'll go home, study it, and you can sort of make it stick just by remembering that patient. And if you're just, you know, uh, studying without any, anything to kind of make it stick just for those three months, I don't know. I don't know if it's not worth it because you're going to be studying all this, this whole entire year and next year and the year after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's lifelong learning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to take a break. And Yeah. And I feel like you could, you could study, like you could say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to learn heart failure and I'm going to learn everything there is about heart failure. And you may know the physiology really well, but you could get in, let's say you start on internal medicine wards the first month. You could have like all COPD exacerbations. You mm-hmm. could have, and like, you know, you could not really, you could maybe see one case of heart failure. It's just, it's so variable. Like right. I've had weeks where I've had four patients with heart failure and then I have, you know, other weeks where I don't have any. And so it's just like, you know, it's just, and I feel like, like you said, it's from the cases. Like when you see enough cases of heart failure or COPD or, you know, DKA, that's like, how, that's where you really learn it, I think. Um, yeah. Versus like, cause there's a lot of the stuff that textbooks don't tell you, like, and that you just kind of learn on the job from, you know, yeah. just getting thrown in there. <laughs> and, and honestly, the first few months are just kind of learning the system, learning how to make, put in orders, how to be efficient. Yeah. And, you know, you can't learn that stuff. So just enjoy life just for yeah. those three months. And uh, not, not that to say that I feel like, you know, you still get some time off. You still get time to relax during residency. Not to say that it's, uh, it's over by then, but I, I think... <laughs> You, you still have things that you feel like you're responsible for. Maybe like following up outpatient stuff and even though during the vacations and, and weekends off, there's still things that are on your mind. So those three months before you start residency, you really just, you don't have anything to worry about. So just, just relax. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what was your first rotation and kind of like what were some of the, the challenges you faced like in those first few weeks when you're like, you're finally, you're not, I'm Nikita, the, the intern, not the medical student anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, my first month was with Medicine Words and uh, our structure, we have one senior and um, they typically pick a PGY3 to be the senior for the service that first month because probably, you know, they, they know the most, they're, uh, they're of most help and PGYs2 would just be becoming seniors that first month. <laughs> so right, yeah. it's good to have someone experienced. Um, and then we have two interns on the team. And um, so I think the the hardest part was getting used to the workflow. So in the morning, you know, getting a system down, you know, when you go into Epic, it's nice, I guess, different EMRs uh, use different systems, but it's nice to arrange things with the flow that you're going to use. So like vital signs, tele, you know, labs and, just figuring that stuff out so you don't miss or forget things. And that still takes, that takes a long time. I wouldn't, I'd say that still things happen and you still forget to check on things. But uh, once you have a system down, you probably miss, you know, you miss less things. And um, then, uh, then putting in consults. I think that was the, the biggest thing that I learned like the first week is you just have to consult right away in the morning. Cause I remember, we started rounds and then my tenant was like, Hey, okay. so did you talk to GI or hematology? And I was like, Oh no, I, you know, I, I put in the console. I just haven't called him. And he's like, Oh, and I was like, Oh no, you got to call him right away. Cause otherwise <laughs> we don't have the information. I was like, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, but you know, those things you learn quick just after making that one, you know, error and not, not necessarily an error, but you, just, you didn't know. And after that day, it's fine. Cause you know, to call them in the morning. Right. And then, Efficiency, I think, was the biggest issue for me. So I, I'm a slow typer. So um, uh, so I moved to the States from Russia, didn't type on the computer there until mm-hmm. I was 12. Here, didn't really type that much up until, you know, like middle school, uh, sure. high school. So never really took the time. I still type with, I can I can do the multiple fingers with the left hand, but I still do the one, <laughs> one finger oh, really? <laughs> with my right hand. Uh, so um, probably shouldn't reveal that to the public, but... Uh, <laughs> It's all good, um, man. <laughs> but it takes, uh, so it took me a while to type my notes. And, you know, you're also figuring out how to structure them, you know, the assessment and plan, figuring out each problem and how you're addressing it. Mm-hmm. So typing that out took forever. And the first couple of weeks I was there until well past the, my, my shift, just trying to finish up my notes. Yeah, yeah. And um, then a few weeks, actually, it probably wasn't until three weeks in or even maybe my second medicine month that I started using the, uh, the, the voice uh, feature. Oh, like the dictaphone. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it's dragon. I forget what the, what the system that we used is called. That's but, nice. You guys have those. I think we, we have them in radiology, but we don't have them in the medicine floor. Oh yeah. I don't touch the keyboard now. <laughs> like it's, well, sometimes I guess I still type my notes if we're like by a patient room and working, but um, that just saves so much time. Cause for me, maybe some people can type faster than they talk, but not me and that just that saved me hours of work yeah um so i i think i think the first month i was still slow the first month i was out late most of the times uh, my senior was of great help like discharge summaries like how, those are hard you know as an sure, intern you, sure. you're writing out the whole entire story like they arrived in the ed these were the vital signs <laughs> you know they, yeah, they yeah. gave them this and then later on you realize like the outpatient doctor has to read that discharge summary. <laughs> they do not want to see every single vital sign every no, single day. No, they want the, the oh. big picture. Yeah. Right. So I, I think those uh, like system-based uh, things were, were just the things that were hardest for me to learn. Um, 
yeah how about you was was that was that something that you struggled with in the beginning or was it other stuff yeah i would say especially my first i started in the emergency room which is kind of and mm. i was only there for a month and i'll never go back there um which <laughs> i was glad i did that month but I, you know, I have a lot of respect for what the ED doctors do, but it's not for me. Um, it's kind of a, I did it at Grady Memorial Hospital here in Atlanta, which is the, you know, the big county hospital, as you know. Yeah. Um, so it's the Wild West. You see anything, everything and anything that comes through that door. Um, so it was, that was an adjustment in of itself. But yeah, I think when I started wards, medicine wards right after that, I'll never forget the first day. I was there at like 11 o'clock. It was an admitting day. I took over like you know, I think five or six patients, and then we got three new admissions. And yeah, I mean, I hadn't done a medicine rotation in like over a year. And so like, I was just, you know, I mean, my fourth year, I was kind of a clown, like I did a lot of pathology and like just kind of worked on research. And I didn't do a lot of, yeah, I did some clinical stuff. But you know, I kind of took it easy too, and just worked on other other endeavors, like, you know, Da Vinci Academy and, and research and things like yeah. that. But so, yeah, I, I was very rusty when it came to internal medicine and like how the notes are structured and everything. I, I think I wasn't alone in that. You're not alone in that from talking to other colleagues here at Emory. I'm sure talking to colleagues there at, at Mayo. I mean, it's um, I think it's very common that first month, like everyone's notes are longer than they need to be <laughs> like, uh, you know, everyone. I think I almost looked at when I look back on it here, I didn't start out with this mindset. But when I look back, it's kind of I kind of developed this mindset like a few months in is. I almost looked at intern year in phases and I don't know, maybe this works for people. Maybe it doesn't. But for me, I thought it was, I think the biggest thing is like, you got, you're, you're there to get a job done. And so that's kind of how I looked at the first phase was like getting things done, like getting orders in, like getting, you know, um, getting consults called, like you talked about, you know, things like, like getting the tasks done for the day. Cause at the end of the day, like I've always had the mindset, like if you got the work done in a reasonable amount of time, it's kind of hard for them to give you a lot of, a lot of grief you know what i mean like maybe you didn't know these guidelines for something or you didn't know how to dose this person's antibiotics or whatever but at least if you got you didn't delay patient care like or delay things i think at least from my perspective i think that's kind of the biggest thing at the end of the day so like learning the workflow like you said i think that was tough at first like because i didn't know like you know exactly what you said like oh you got to call consults like right in the morning you know because otherwise because what you don't realize is like when you call them then they put it on their list and then they know to see them like if you don't call them till three o'clock they, they may have rounded already like and then yeah. you kind of you know maybe they'll still go see them but they'll be kind of annoyed i've definitely had learned that the hard way <laughs> um and so yeah so i looked at it like the first phase was like getting a system down like how you do your pre-charting, how you go through the chart, how you get your vitals down. And I think that's, you know, whether you're in medicine or surgery or um, OB-GYN or anything, I mean, everybody's got to like look through their patient's chart in the morning. So I think kind of like how you organize that information. And that was, I have really bad handwriting. So like, it's been kind of like, that was actually kind of a struggle for me was like figuring out like the best way to organize that. And I use these, like Epic has these, um, patient handoffs that you can print out mm -hmm. and it has like a lot of the vitals, a lot of the stuff you would otherwise write down. Um, and so thankfully I, I have those. And then I kind of just write the plan now, but it took me a while to like come up with that system. Like at first I was like presenting off the note and it was like, you may think, Oh, that makes sense. Like you just present off the note, but as when you print off the note, at least for me, it's like, there's too much there. Like there's yeah. all this info. There's like your whole like explanation for the, each problem. And it's just, I don't know. I felt like it was, it was hard to find things. Um, and so I, I don't really do that anymore. I think it's too hard. Um, the only exception is I did do that in the ICU because there's just the ICU, like there's just too much, like you needed, I felt like some kind of guide. 
Um, but anyways, yeah. So then I looked at it like that. And then kind of the next system um, was like really knowing what's going on with your patient. Like, you know, what's the, cause I feel like you're so caught up in like getting the work done that sometimes you can get lost in like, you know, what's going on. Like what, like, what is it like, obviously you'll know what the patient's there for, but like the intricacies of like what we're doing, like, yeah. you know, in their disease process and like, you know, their treatment. So that was like the first like month or two, I tried to just focus on like my system, getting the work done. And then kind of like after that, I kind of really tried to really know my patient well. So like when I called a consult, like I could confidently tell them like what was going on with the patient, you know, and um, you know, why we were doing certain, you know, treatments and why, what, why we were ordering certain labs and things like that, why we were consulting them and things like that. Cause even calling consults is, you know, like I'll try to teach the med students here. Like you always have a question. You always want to give them like a brief synopsis and like you want to tailor it to like, what that service cares about. Like when you call cardiology, they're not going to care about, Oh, that they had a colonoscopy five years ago. You know, GI would care about that, but cardiology doesn't care, you know? So like things like that. Um, so yeah, like, and then like the last phase has been like that I'm kind of in now is just like building my medical knowledge. Cause it, I feel like if you try to do all three of those in your first month of interior, it's just like too hard. I don't know. That's, yeah. that was, that's my experience. Um, cause you, you almost need to get being a resident down first before you can really do anything it's almost like you got to crawl before you can walk i feel like yeah that's that's what most of the seniors kind of early on told me like first year you just you're just trying to learn how to be an intern yeah and and you you pick you know medical knowledge comes up you know you you talk about stuff on rounds people sure. are teaching you uh, you know you you'll go home you'll want to look up some stuff <laughs> you know just yeah. to know what to do the next day right right and that just naturally kind of happens but but for the consults thing, uh, another one was um, you always want to, like as an intern, you, you call, you're like, hey, I have a new consult for you guys, 58-year-old, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you always just want to ask, like, or, or mention, like, why you're calling, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like the cardiology. You don't start telling the whole story until the end because they don't know what they're listening for. Right. And sometimes if we're really busy, we still get caught up. We forget to, to do that. But I think that makes life easier because sometimes they're like, oh, you know, AFib. Okay. Then they'll like ask even the specific question. It'll kind of guide your presentation too. Yeah, uh, definitely. So that was a, that was a good lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well. I, I feel for the fellows who have to feel those yeah. calls <laughs> in the beginning months. And then like, uh, so yeah, I th that's kind of like how I've looked at it. I don't know if that's the right way, but I feel like it's helped. I don't know. Just kind of, it, cause it's a progress. Like you're not, you're going to struggle. You're going to feel like you suck especially in those first few days, I still have days where I feel like I suck. Like, I mean, it's just, this is hard. And there's a reason why like internal medicine is three years. There's a reason why radiology is five years. There's a reason why surgery is six, seven, eight years. I mean, this is really hard and it takes, you know, a long time to, to get there. Um, and so I remember, I'll never forget the first attending I had on wards. He said, he's like to the interns, he's like, you, know, you guys may feel like you're struggling, but he's like, don't worry. He's like, you'll get there. And I always think about that. Like, he's like, you know, you'll get there, you know, one way or the other, you'll get there. Um, and so I think you just got to remember that. I think a lot of interns get really frustrated that, you know, they don't know, they feel like they don't know, like, especially that first month, they don't know what's going on with their patient. They don't know why we're, you know, giving a certain diuretic regimen for someone in heart failure. They don't know, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're not expect, you know, someone with reasonable expectations shouldn't expect you to know every I mean, if you knew everything you wouldn't need to do residency like, right. uh, so um i think knowing like i think it's you know it's a process i think just i think being patient with yourself and knowing it's a process i think is my biggest advice to people starting out 
Yeah, no, I think that's fair. fair. And uh, yeah, just not being too hard on yourself. You know, exactly. you're there to learn. It's still all new, especially when you go to a new service too, you know, you get used to medicine, you do three months of medicine. You're like, oh, okay, I'm kind of understanding the workflow, everything yeah, works. Yeah. Then you go to cardiology and you're like, oh, this is a whole new world, you know, and everyone there knows everything about cardiology. Yeah, like, oh, you yeah. just feel, feel like uh, inadequate, but it's just, you know, it's part of it. We rotate through it. There's a fellowship for it. Cause yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So. I mean, as a transitional year, I've, uh, you know, I was in the ED and so you see how the, that was a whole learning curve. Um, yeah. and then, you know, you see these third year ED and, uh, residents that are just, you know, doing these resuscitations and these, you know, innovations and all these other things. And, you know, they're really killing it. Um, you know, doing great patient care and in, in a very stressful environment. And then you get to medicine and that's a whole different, I mean, it's completely different. Um, yeah. I think, and then I've done a, I did a month, as you know, vascular surgery. So like I've seen, you know, EM internal medicine and a surgical perspective, and they're all three there. There obviously is a lot, there's overlap, but they're also very, very different. Like, and yeah. so that was definitely, and then the ICU is honestly, even though it's still medicine, it's, it's a whole other kind of workflow or way of doing things. Um, and so that's been also kind of a learning curve. It's basically like one learning curve after the other. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm yeah. sure I haven't done a lot of outpatient like you have, but I'm sure you know, uh, that's been, that's its own learning curve in its sense. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot to do there too, even from home, you know, you got to answer patients questions and then mm. just, uh, yeah, there's, that's a whole, whole another. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This podcast is brought to you by DaVinci Academy and our mission at DaVinci Academy is to provide innovative learning resources for students studying the medical sciences and enables them to learn the fundamental concepts in an easy to follow way, and then learn to apply those concepts to clinical situations that are frequently tested on medical school exams and board exams. We have video courses available on our website for anatomy, histology, and biochemistry currently. We also have outline format textbooks that complement those subjects and are meant to supplement the videos, and those books are available in both paperback and ebook forms. We also have a free clinical case video series called Da Vinci Cases, available on our website and our YouTube channel. So I guess for the, the med students listening out there, I guess, what would you say, I feel like we've, we're long, far enough into intern here at this point, what would you say the biggest difference between being a med student on like medicine or ICU and, be, and between being the medical student on the service and being the intern on the service? Like what, like as far as just like what your expected responsibilities, like, you know, cause people I'm sure like, I'm sure, especially the fourth years, like they've got being a med student down on the service you know, yeah. but like, what's, I guess, what should they expect as like the bigger, the, like the bigger difference now, in your opinion? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you just, you're responsible for things happening, you know, you're, you know, as a med student, you might get to call the consoles, depends on, you know, who's, who's, uh, who's there, and you might get to, you know, follow up on things, but, but in the end of the day, you're not really responsible for anything, which is, a great feeling <laughs> as a student. You know, yeah. You're just there to learn. You get to have a couple of patients. You, you know, you present, which um, is great for residents. You know, you, oh you yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just that whole level of responsibility. You have to get things done. You have to put in the orders. You have to make sure they get done. You have to call nurses. I think other things that are social stuff. Uh, so dispo things like where's the patient going? Where are they going? Is there mm -hmm. a family member that has questions? Um, are you able to answer those questions? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I think going in and just feeling like, you know, you just have to do those things. So uh, I think that's the biggest difference. And um, yeah, as a med student, you, know, you go home and you get to maybe study a little bit more, you know, it depends on your schedule. You might have weekends off. Um, but uh, that also all depends on how much uh, responsibility like your med school gives you to the fourth year. So it all, it all differs, but um, yeah, just getting things done and being responsible for stuff, I think is the main, main difference. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, like, I don't think I've ever seen a nurse like page a med student or epic chat a med student. So I think like feeling those questions from, you know, nurses yeah. and other people um, calling consults. Yeah, it's variable. I think I remember I did that a little bit of that as a med student. We let, we usually let the med students, if they're comfortable, do it here. Um, yeah. But it's still like, I don't know. Um, again, like usually you don't put orders in as a med student or you have to have like someone co-sign them. Um, so it's not like, and usually like, like as a med student, you're not putting in heparin drips, like, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, complex things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I agree. It's, it's just like the level of responsibility, like, all these tasks that are talked about in the morning on rounds, like you're responsible for getting those done. Like if those don't get done, then you're, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been very lucky to have like great med students. Like they'll offer to go talk to the, well, the family is probably, uh, we, we usually go do that, but uh, they'll offer like to follow up on things. They'll make sure that things are, you know, uh, if we get a scan, uh, get, got a scan or something like that, they'll, they'll, you know, update me if it's there, if I'm busy or something like that. Sure, so, sure. Um, I, yeah, I guess responsibilities for med students also vary based on the med student too. You yeah. know, you feel you trust um, uh, some people more than others and it also depends on how enthusiastic they are. You know, you give right. more responsibilities to those who really want to do more. So, which I think that's another part about rotating as an intern through different subspecialties. Like, I think this is what helped me in medical school was I always was like, okay, maybe this is something I'll do. You know, even if, if even if I was like 99% sure neurology <laughs> was not going to be my, my choice, still excited every day, you know, willing yeah. to learn, um, not just like kind of walking around, not caring. I think that's important as an intern and probably important just in life as, a, as an attending. And, you know, if you're looking for, um, uh, you know, if you want an administrative role, any kind of that stuff, you just, you want to be excited about most things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, especially from my perspective, you know, I'm only doing this for a year The um, just knowing the perspective of different services. I think that's something I try to learn. And then like, obviously from an imaging perspective, like why they're ordering, like on the clinical side of things, like why are they ordering a chest x-ray in this scenario? Like, what are they trying to expect? What will they be expecting from me as a radiologist reading that? Or, you know, when they're referring somebody for a procedure, you know, what are they, you know, what is, what is the end goal here? How does this help the overall patient's care? Things like that. Um, obviously, vascular surgery, there was a lot of overlap with, you know, interventional and endovascular stuff. Um, ICU, you know, obviously as well, like, you know, who's sick, who's not, that type of thing. Um, yeah, definitely. I haven't done a neurology, but I think um, knowing from their perspective, like, you know, when's a stroke, when's it not a stroke, like things like that, seizures, um, I think kind of getting, yeah, I think just getting like other services perspectives, just I think even kind of seeing things through their eyes, through the ED's eyes. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I think that's, I think it's good to see like both sides of that. Cause I think, you know, everyone kind of talks, 
some smack about everybody else at sometimes. And so I think like it's good for ED residents to see the internal medicine side of things. It's good for internal medicine to see the ED side of things as well, because you don't really know it until you're like live it, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I've tried to gain is just like perspective on everybody through this year. Um, in addition to, cause like, I'm not going to be dosing like insulin, you know, I'll never do that again after this year or like things like that. But you know, if I can understand why you guys are trying to like look for certain, certain things at imaging, I think that's where we can provide the most help. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, um, I learned on subspecialty series, I forget what attending told me this, but you know, if you're, if you're cardiology and you get consulted for, you know, sometimes you get consulted for things that are maybe it could be sorted out by someone else or, you know, things like right. that, like for chest pain. And the best thing to do is just, it, it's easy for you to work up chest pain, you know, for a cardiologist. Sure. It is much faster, much easier and just go do it. You know, even if you feel like it's not a great consult, you just, just do it because it's easier for you and then everything is done. There's just better relationships after, you know, you're, you're not pushing things off. And um, I think that's one of the things that I've learned going through different rotations is just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of a recurring theme. Um, I think the other thing with, um, I was going to say, well, there was one other thing I was going to say with being a, a med student and, um, is I think, I think a big adjustment is like when you're a med student, you have a lot of time to read about your patient and like, kind of like that one phase I was talking about where like knowing what's going on with the patient, like you have a lot, like you're only carrying, you know, obviously whatever it is, usually you're carrying less than what an intern would carry. Yeah. Um, at least at our, at our institution, that's usually the case. Uh, or actually that's pretty much always the case. Um, and so, uh, you have more time to learn about the patient. And I think a big thing to try to work on, and you're obviously it's a process is like, knowing what the important stuff is to know, like go, when you go through the chart with a new admission, like, like that first run through, like, what do you, you know, you obviously look at the labs, you look at like EKG or, you know, whatever you look at what they were presenting with. And then, cause you just don't have like, when you're getting crushed with admissions and then you're also carrying on a bunch of old patients, like you don't have time to like really, you know, spend all that time to like learn about all those patients, you know what I mean? And so I think that's a big, like kind of step. And I think the way you do that is a lot of it's just from experience. I don't know. I don't know if you have any tips and tricks for that, but like, um, I think how, like what to look for. Cause you just have to see something enough times. Like you see someone come in with heart failure, like, you know, what to look for, you know, to look for in the chart, like were they ever hospitalized with heart failure before, you know, what, what, what kind of diuretic regimen did they do? What medications have they been on? Like, you're not going to like read through some, you know, ED visit where they came in with, you know, bloody stools or whatever. I mean, you'll take a look at it, maybe, but you're not going to like, you know, if they were sent home the same day, you know, or whatever, I guess bloody stool is probably not the best example, but maybe like, you know, if they came in, like, you know, they were, you know, I don't know, something like they fell or something like it was like a, you know, musculoskeletal thing. And then they went home the next day, like, or the same day, like that isn't going to be as relevant to, you know, someone who's coming in with, you know, with their current problem of heart failure exacerbation. Um, yeah. so. I, I think you just, I mean, it just takes practice. It's just, yeah. Um, um, yeah. You just have to just try to do better every time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I think on services, uh, off service rotations, you just have to figure out what's important for them. So for maybe if they're being admitted to the medicine service or let's say nephrology, you might not look at an echo that they had last year or try to look through the records for their, any right. kind of ischemic workup that they had. But if you're on cardiology, like, those are the things you start looking for. 
Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so you just have to know what's relevant for you at that moment in time. And I think the first things you do is when you look at the, well, even when you're getting the call for the consult, let's say the attending or whoever's handing out the admissions, um, you just want to say, are they stable? You know, and then look up their vital signs. And that's kind of, you know, do you need to go down right away before you're really reading anything? Or do you have a few minutes to kind of catch up on the chart, figure out what's going on, what they've gotten so far, mm-hmm. what's the workup been? So I think that that's the, I think that's one of the most important things to start with as early as you can um is figuring out how fast you need to get down there and yeah and, oh yeah knowing like is this someone i shouldn't because sometimes like you get the sense like you you really shouldn't spend any time looking through a chart if they're not stable yeah. like, or you get the sense that they're <clears throat> things are going to go south quick now sometimes you have a senior that can you know they'll go down and see them while you're kind of getting gathering some more information but yeah um in some scenarios it's you know it's kind of best if everybody just goes down uh, depending on what's going on right so, yeah, I think, cause that's something I've noticed, like, you know, the medicines, when they try to push themselves and pick up more patients, they'll, they'll ask me sometimes, they'll be like, how do you carry like all these, you know, like on medicine wards, like, you know, the intern, the medicine will carry like, you know, two or three patients and we're carrying like eight or nine. And they'll say like, how do you, so that's a big difference between carrying two and three and eight or nine. So um, I think it's just knowing what to selectively look for um, and keep, yeah. keep on track. And I mean, obviously if you have time at the end of the day, then, you know, I'll have times where that, that happens where you'll go, you know, you, I want to kind of look through more on this patient, like, you know, what regimen were they on for some type of you know problem they have? Well, what does their latest primary care notes say? Like things like that. Um, and you, you know, you can take time at the end of the day to go through that to gain a better understanding, but in the moment, you know, you kind of have to be selective. And like you said, I think that just comes with practice and experience. So. Yeah. yeah awesome. Agreed. Um, Let's see here. Let me look at some of our questions here. I feel like we've answered some of these already. Um, I guess the, you know, we kind of, this will probably be a broken record, but I guess, you know, the huge learning curve, you know, and like going through all these learning curves, I guess, is there any, I guess we're trying to just to provide, I guess, a little more specifics for people. I guess, is there anything you did to like kind of manage this learning curve that we constantly are on? (laughs) You know, um, I don't think there's anything like, like a secret, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's honestly, I think you're going to have bad days. You're going to come home. You feel like you did a, you know, terrible job. Your presentations were terrible or, or things like that, but you just get up the next day, you try again mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you just have to get used to that. Um, and sometimes you'll come home and you're like, wow, I'm a superstar. Like yeah. I know everything. And then the next day you realize you don't know <laughs> as yeah. much as you thought you did. And, um, I think just getting used to that and um, not being too hard on yourself and then just knowing your like limitations and, and things like that. Uh, but more specifics, like, again, you pick this up as you go, but uh, for admissions, like if you always want to see if the patient was discharged like last week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you can just re- read that discharge summary and kind of know exactly what the patient's story is. And mm-hmm. again, the vital signs. One of our attendings, I'm going to butcher this, but he, he has, he's got like, I think three rules. Uh, it's like vital signs are vital for a reason. And then I forget one of them, but the other one is uh, all bleeding stops eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you never have to get to that point. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, like knowing the vital signs, that's like the important thing you want to sure. What are their maps? What are, what are, you know, what, what do their initial labs look like? How sick are they? What have they gotten in the ED? 
And again, you pick that up as you go. And the great thing about, you know, medicine training is that you're never alone. You know, there's a senior resident, right. there's attendings, there's, you know, APPs, MPs, whoever's on your team, they're always there to also help. And I think that's, um, that's great as learners. You know, you, you always want to know that someone else is there to answer your questions or because at some point, you know, it depends on where you practice, there might not be someone to answer that question. But at this time, like the point is of us learning how to manage this stuff. So it's good to have a team. Um, yeah, I think definitely, I think that's a big thing is you said there two things is like knowing your limitations and knowing when to ask like for help or like, and I mean, that first month, like you gotta add, you're like, you just don't know this stuff. And like yeah. anyone who expects you to know that stuff is just a jerk. I mean, like if they yeah. expect you to know how to like put all these orders in and all that, that, that's just like unreasonable. So I think knowing your limitations and then like, I think just leaning on your senior, your senior residents, or if you're with a fellow or somebody, or, you know, or if you're by yourself with the attending, like, I think, you know, even if you're, I think not being afraid of looking stupid, I think you just have to let that go out the window. I mean, I think, you know, you just gotta, you know, if you don't know something, you don't know it, or you don't know how to do something, you don't know how to do it. Like, um, you know, and no one should, especially those first few months, no one should fault you for that. Um, I still, there's still things I don't know how to do. Um, you know, in the ICU, I was like my first week in the ICU, I was asking a lot of questions of my senior resident just because I didn't know, like, is this, is this appropriate in the ICU? Like, you know, do we do this? Like, you know, um, so I think leaning on your senior a lot, and that's true, I think, no matter what specialty you're in, you know, surgery, uh, medicine, you know, EM, things like that. Um, so I think, you know, not being afraid to ask for help and knowing, you know, if you're, you know, if you're in, I remember like the first month awards, I had a patient that was visibly crashing. Like, you know, they were going into cardiogenic shock as I was examining them. Like their extremities were turning cold. They're, they were desatting, their blood pressure was dropping. My senior resident was off. And so I, I called the, I was, it was in the ED. So I was able to grab one of the ED attendings that I knew there, but I also, I called my attending and she was glad. She's like, I'm glad you called. And so yeah. it was like, you can't, especially in the first couple of months of internship, you can't be expected to know how to deal with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's why you call, you know, that's why there's these, you know, that's why it's not just an intern by yourself. Like, you know, you've got people to, to, to rely on. So. Um, yeah. And, and the attendings are on teach service because they want to teach. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I have, I have yet to have an experience where I asked the attending a question or called them to, uh, to you know, to, cause I was worried or I didn't know something and there's never been a time where they're like, why did you call me? That's just, no, that's that's not why they're there. They don't. They're there to teach you. So they're gonna answer your questions or explain. Oh, you know. Oh no, it's totally fine. You don't have to worry about that. Or they'll be like, Oh, thanks for calling me. Let me come see the patient. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is, um, and the first month is probably impossible to do this, but as you go go through the first year, is finding like appropriate resources to uh, learn about the specialties. Uh, so for example, like medicine. Like as an intern, you'll get access to MixApp or whatever resource your program offers. I think a couple of different ones, but also like finding your go-to resource. So like everyone uses UpToDate. Uh, that's great. It's, it's UpToDate is what I use for drugs all the time, like dosing, sure. yeah, renal uh, adjustments, and um, or even like reviewing the mechanism or pharmacology. Like how long is it going to take for this drug to kick in? And uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to give this orally. Oh, it's going to take an hour for it to work. <laughs> okay, maybe. Um, and then, uh, but what I started using was Dynamed, which I think was like really, um, uh, 
emphasized it at Toledo, but I never used it. Uh, I'm sure. pretty sure we had access to it. And I was like, oh, no, up to date is the best. And then I started looking at Dynamed this year, and it's it's perfect. It's very concise. Yeah, bulletin yeah. points, and then they go into detail if you if you scroll farther down on each page. But uh, you get to figure out like dosing management, workup, things like that. And for critical care, uh, EM Crit is uh, there's a website, a podcast, oh, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have that online book. So just finding those resources quick, having a reference guide. And um, the other thing is one of my attendings the first month told me like, if you're interested in academic medicine, uh, use uh, the, I think it's called Evernote. Have you used Evernote? I've heard of it. I don't think I've, no, I haven't used it. So I I didn't, I started using it more often now, but it's basically a note taking website uh, or app and you can, it's, it's, you can pay for it or you can use it for free. Depends on how many devices you want to use it on, but it organizes your notes in notebook uh, like format and then it's searchable and you can have it on your phone, your laptop. So what I started doing is either making my own tables or just copying and pasting like dosing for sedation and mm-hmm. like side effects and whatever, whatever it is. And then you can quickly look it up on your phone anytime. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you have all these great resources, like, you know, 20 different ways you learn about hyponatremia and maybe each resource has like one thing you like the most. Sure. Then you have to go back and look at those resources, find that video or find that segment. And, but I started just copying and pasting each individual thing into this note, uh, Evernote thing. And it's been really helpful. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great, that's a better way. Cause I remember on ICU the first week, I didn't know any of these drugs like for sedation. And so I made yeah. like, I actually made note cards like the old fashioned way and kept them in my like white coat yeah. um, and like pressers and stuff and like what the side effects are. But like, yeah, if you have like an electronic, resource where you can keep that stuff handy and like and i think the searchable thing that's really nice um, yeah and so, you yeah. type in whatever it is and i don't get paid by evernote so <laughs> yeah we don't have a financial stake in that um no i think that's great yeah i think and i think asking your like upper level residents it's like oh obviously yeah. i think that one an attending told you too but um you know i think asking them again for help like what are good resources and i think one thing i just want to mention also is you know you may be thinking hearing us say this oh ask for help ask thing you know, you may be thinking, well, what if I'm dealing with a jerk? Like, what if my senior resident's a jerk? What if my fellow's a jerk or my attending? And I think in those scenarios, I remember someone gave me really good advice, um, like during med school and like on how to deal with people like that is, is you can't cater to everybody's personal, you know, defects or whatever, you know, you can't cater to these people's issues. A lot of times it's, you know, it's not you, that's how they treat everybody. It's like personal issues they're dealing with or, you know, things like that. And I think, you just ask for help. And if they yell at you or they give you shit about it, I think you just, you take it. Cause the problem is if you don't ask for help and you screw it up, they're gonna be like, well, why didn't you ask me? You know? So it's like, an, it's, it, those situations are terrible. Cause especially as an intern, it's just a no win. You know, you're probably going to get yelled at either way. And unfortunately I haven't had to deal with a lot of these situations this year, but there, there's been certain instances. And, you know, I think that's usually the way I handle it. I think Unfortunately, you got to develop thick skin as an intern because you're going to look stupid every, I don't care if you got a 270 on step one, you were a Rhodes Scholar and went to Harvard, like you're going to look like an absolute moron at times. It just, it's just the way it is. And it's not because you're stupid. It's just, you don't know. And I think, um, you know, just because you don't know things doesn't mean you're an idiot or you're stupid. You just don't know. Um, And so I think you just take it and, you know, you move on and you just, count the days so you get off that rotation or till that person rotates off and 
you keep moving. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it's not unique to medicine and not in other jobs you'd have to deal with, at least in medicine residency, you can rotate off, you know, service yeah. like these people <laughs> in regular jobs. Like sometimes that's, that's their life every day until they quit that job or that person leaves is they have to deal with somebody like that. So, um, yeah, no, I think even I, in those scenarios, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and, and everyone's going to have their own preference. So I've been, again, I've been very fortunate. I haven't had uh, any bad experiences yet, but, um, and I'm also an optimist, so maybe, maybe <laughs> uh, but what uh, every attending is going to have their own way that they want a presentation done. They want, mm-hmm. you know, just give me the quick uh, spiel or attendees yeah. want like start from the beginning, you know, this first time and you're rounding the patient. So you have to tell the whole story. So you just have to adjust those things to everyone, uh, everyone's preference. And that's just part of it too. You know, you just have to uh, learn how to do that. Um and just roll with it just because yeah. that's just that's how it is and yeah. some people have that preference and then you'll you'll have your own preferences once you're in attending you know and people Absolutely. will have to adjust <laughs> to you to you yeah uh, that's just what <laughs> i think that's a very common theme across all i see it uh and i saw it in every specialty i wrote tonight. you know i've done some radiology even with that there's certain ways certain like in radiology you know you're dictating reports for imaging there's certain ways people want, you know, attending different attendings want different ways for the report or what's reported, you know, in IR procedures, there's different, obviously it's like surgery. There's different ways of doing things, you know, obviously in surgery, there's, you know, you know, a lot of different preferences attendings have for things in the OR um, and ICU, you know, attendings have different preferences or how things are done. Um, so, yeah, I think you do your best with that. And just like you say, you realize that, you know, it is, you know, again, you like, like that one person said to me, you, you do your best, but you can't kill yourself catering to every person's like preferences or things, uh, or their, or own, their own, uh, you know, preferences, I guess. Um, I guess kind of wrap things up. What kind of just more about you, like what, I know we talk a lot about this. I think you're interested in academic medicine, like what kind of academic pursuits are you working on right now? Like outside of your clinical work and I guess also like, how do you manage that? You know, cause I imagine there's a lot of listeners out there that like, you know, they're doing things outside. They're trying to find, it's always that, that challenge of finding that balance. Yeah. Uh, so for internal medicine, I think most programs, uh, I don't know if you get a research month your first year. Uh, we fortunately do. So, you know, I'm trying to do research, uh, you know, help me. I'm not sure exactly what fellowship I want to do yet, but you know, if you want to stay in academic medicine, whether it be in, you know, hospital internal medicine, general medicine, or so specialty, you probably have to do some kind of research. Um, but um, yeah, so we're lucky enough to where we have a month of just dedicated time to work on a project. And then, you know, you just, you kind of, you find time. Sometimes you'll have rotations where you're not working so hard. And even if you're there, you have some spare time, like, especially on nights, you know, nights sometimes you will have a night where you have only a few admissions depends on what you're on so you squeeze some some things in there uh and it's hard you know just know your limits you know if you need a break you you need time off don't don't work on research go enjoy life because you just work you know whatever 80 hours that week right (laughs) exactly you can't feel like you have to go home study or do research uh spend time with family and i think all most of medicine is moving towards you know understanding that you know, people just get burned out. And yeah. uh, I've uh, felt like our program has done a, a good job. I haven't felt like burned out this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> which again, I've, um, I, 
I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about things. So uh, not to say that, uh, you know, if you do feel that way, that's important to take a break. And yeah, all programs have, uh, well, most programs have a way for you to uh, talk to somebody as well yeah. if you're mm-hmm. feeling that way. And I think if you're doing research and you tell your, you know, your PI that, you know, you just, you can't do this right now, you need some time, they, they all understand. So um, finding time is, if there's dedicated time, that's great. If there's easy rotation, do it then. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also, you know, next year and the year after you have all this time uh, to, to do those projects. And then finding things to do outside of work. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, my fiance was kind enough to build me a gym for my birthday, my garage. <laughs> Very so nice. um, I don't have to drive to anywhere to go work out. I can, on my day off, I just go into my garage, work out. And so you can kind of cater things to yourself, like make it more accessible for you to do things that you want to do. Um, I think that's a question I have for you was, you know, I, yeah. you've been really into, uh, every time I talk to you, you're you know, really into fitness and uh, staying, which is awesome. You know, I'm trying to follow suit here. I actually bought a, like a stationary bike for my apartment. So I, nice. same kind of thing. I have no excuse to not do some type of exercise. Um, cause I think as doctors were like, Oh, I don't have time for that. Or like, you know, yeah. I'm too burnt, I'm too burnt out or, you know, I'm, you know, it was too tough of a day or I don't know. So like, what do you, I think probably a lot of people are curious, like, how do you, do you work out in the, like, do you, I know some people get up really early and try to do it before, but sometimes that's just hard. Cause you're, you'd have to get up crazy early or like some people do it after, but then I don't know, sometimes people are, you oh, I'm too tired. I guess, how do you, how do you, you know, cause you're a pretty fit guy, you stay in shape. Like, how do you, how do you do that? You know, every, I set an alarm every morning for like 4am and I'm like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out. And then that snooze button gets hit like 20 times. <laughs> I just get up to go shower and go straight to work. I, I think, you know, some months it's harder. Some months I don't yeah. work out maybe once, you know, on ICU right now, you know, it's been two weeks and I've worked out maybe twice or three, you know, three times. And that just, yeah. you just have to adjust to whatever your schedule is. But other times you just, you come home, you just, sometimes you just do it. That's the first thing you do. Yeah. Like, especially after nights, uh, night shifts can be, you know, we're, we're lucky we don't have like a 28 or whatever, 24 hour call, or uh, we usually just have a night shift or, um, or we work 12 hours or 14 hours, whatever, overnight. And then, so I just come home after night shift and I just work out right away so yeah. i just can't not and i just go to bed then because if i tell myself i'll eat i'll go to sleep i'll wake up before my shift and i'll work out that doesn't happen i'll yeah. sleep till 4 30 and then i get up and run to work <laughs> um so and uh yeah i think you know health is important you know for us to uh you know if you work out you know you, you'll probably have more energy and you just build those habits mm-hmm. um but again you just can't be too hard on yourself you can't you know, if you can't, you know, just if you need rest, you want to watch TV, just want to read, go outside for a walk, like do those things, find ways that you feel more relaxed, uh, that help you take your mind off things. So each, each person has their own thing. Just for me, it's this for other people it might be reading a book or yeah, you know, TikTok, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, I think it's good. I think you just, it sounds like, again, the recurring thing, you just got to do it. Like it's yeah. not you know, um, and you just got to make it a priority. That's, that's what I've learned. I mean, sometimes the best part of the workout is just when it's over, but at least yeah. you did it, you know? Um, and I think, you know, you, you're always going to be like, t- you know, being too tired or, you know, I think you just gotta, 
you gotta i think also trying to remember that it's like good for your health <laughs> yeah as much totally. as as much as that can be you know like oh yeah i don't care but you know it's i think it's just good habits i think you make a really good point sometimes you just don't have the time i mean yeah. it's not you can't beat yourself up you know i think i think it's just being consistent like you said like you've done you know a couple times but at least you did it like at least the next time you do it it's not like oh it's been four more four weeks since i worked out like it's only been like a week or a few days or you know that kind of thing right and usually i like i listen to like a ted talk to like motivate me to go do yeah. something and you know that lasts a day or two <laughs> yeah and then yeah. you gotta um but yeah i think again intern year is hard you just have to make sure that you're resting enough finding a balance so just even for those things like working out or doing things outside of work like don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get to do them if you just need sleep or whatever it is um yeah, yeah like if you have a day off i think you know you you don't need to always feel like especially when you're on a rotation you only have one day off a week like sometimes i mean if you got really you know, if you got really worked hard that week, like there's nothing wrong with just chilling out. I got this friend here who he, he claims he's just like, yeah, man, I just do nothing. And I was like, I was like, yeah, he's like, I get Q2 turns. I was like a bedside delivery, Uber Eats. Like, I mean, <laughs> I was joking with him on that. And uh, yeah, and like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like he just chill, like he works really hard and he's a really good resident, but he just chills out. Like, um, and he actually, he goes to the gym and, and uh, works out, but otherwise he's just chilling. And I mean, sometimes you just need that. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you can't, again, like you say, you can't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. And you know, if the gym's not your thing too, that's not how you relax. If that's stressful and just find something like play, you know, some people don't want to work out, but they'll play a sport or some sort of tennis or, Mm -hmm. or hikes, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a lucky enough to live in Arizona where sure go on a hike most years, most of the time, uh, without like, you know, it being too hot, which is getting to at that point, but yeah, you know, those things and do it with friends. And, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, those are the important things. I think, yeah. Balance is important. Um, we have a, uh, you know, we have a very, um, a life what's, a like very balanced program. So I'm, I'm I feel like this year has not been as hard as it, it you know, it, it maybe could have been, nice. um, so, and if you have a significant other, you know, if we're, you know, you get to pick working out or do you get to hang out with them? And sometimes you just, you know, you have to hang out. That's right. <laughs> I, yeah. that's not, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> making it sound like I don't want to hang out with my fiance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but um, you know, you just prioritize, you know, right, right. you go to dinner or spend time together and you work out another time and um, find things to do together um, that you both enjoy. Uh, and I guess this year has been even harder to like hang out with your classmates as well. You know, you don't get to go to a restaurant or some event together because of COVID, but hopefully that's, you know, going to turn around and people can, can spend time together. Cause I think getting close and, um, getting to know your class is also important because you're going to spend most of your time with them. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and they know, they know what you're going through. Like you can, right. They work for the same attendings that right. work, you know, same shifts, same specialties, and you know sometimes you get a vent. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, those exactly. Yeah. People that went through it is the best people to vent to. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I think that's all the questions I have, and I guess just in the interest of time, I think we'll we'll wrap things up. But Nikita, it was awesome to talk to you, man. I'm glad you're doing well, and uh, yeah. thanks thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on here. I 
I think we, we gave the, the listeners some good pearls. Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. No, of course. Thanks for having me. And, you know, I'm happy to do it again. Um, um, can't believe it's been almost five years since, <laughs> since anatomy. Um, uh, but it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's, it's gonna, uh, yeah, man, it's good. Good to see you. We'll catch up again soon. And, uh, congrats on all the cool things you're doing. It's, you're, you're doing great, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. More episodes are available on our website at dviacademy.com, our YouTube channel. They're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also on our website, you can find our video courses for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology, and they're available as month-to-month packages. They're also available as a combo package where you can get all three courses in one. Our website also has a store where you can find our outline format textbooks for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology. All textbooks are available in paperback version and as ebooks as well. These textbooks complement our video courses and provide a nice addition to the learning experience of allowing you to focus on the learning and not having to write anything down. On our website, we also provide a free clinical cases video series called Da Vinci Cases. Da Vinci Cases aims to help you learn how to answer USMLE questions and apply concepts that you learn in our courses to answering those questions. Our cases cover a variety of topics and organ systems, and they're updated frequently with new cases. And then lastly on our website, you can find our blog, which has interesting articles that cover medical history, important figures in medicine, and innovations in medicine. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to tune in for our next episode.